0: The IFC is a non-for-profit institution. We do not have any paid advertising for our podcast, but we do accept donations. All donations and contributions are tax deductible. For more information, look on the instituteforconflict.com. Welcome back another episode of the IFC's Individuation Podcast. My name is James Malamas. We've got a great episode for you. Today, we welcome back Dr. Lahab Al-Samurai, joined by Dr. Eric Tomlinson and Dr. Lisa Hong. It's a great discussion. We can't wait for you to hear it. If you enjoy the IFC's Individuation Podcast and want to support, make sure to rate the podcast five stars on iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. So without any further ado, Dr. Al-Samurai, take it away.
1: Welcome back to another episode of the IFC's Individuation Podcast. I'm Dr. Lahab El-Samurai. As usual, the wrecking crew is here. Dr. Eric Tomlinson and Dr. Lisa Hong are with us. As always, we venture out into the woods to see what Von Franz is cooking up in her magical oven. And we hope it's not 2 little children. Anyway, so... Uh, how's everybody doing, little children? How are we doing? Very, very well.
2: <laughs> very curious. Oh, good, good. Very interesting.
1: Yes, you want to see what's inside the oven. It's time Let's to call go. in. Okay. So, Hansel and Gretel, that's where that story comes from. So, not to frighten you, we didn't make it up. Somebody else did. Okay. Um, today, as always... We are going to dive into um, another story of the magical daughter, the Anima. So in this story, Dr. Lisa Hong is going to read to us. Um, Lisa, without further ado, go for it.
2: Yes, let us... Read the story, if you're following with the book, it's on page 409. Uh, the title is The Daughter of the King Vultures. The King Vultures were accustomed to fly down to a lake to bathe. They, there they took off their feather dress and went swimming in the form of young girls. A young man once stole a feather, the feather dress of one of the maidens and demanded that she stay with him. Since they liked each other, she agreed, and he stowed her vulture dress away in a chest. Soon, she gave birth to a son who quickly grew up. One day, the wife suggested that they make a visit to her father. The man agreed, and the woman bound Janiparana leaves to the arms of the father and her son. She donned her plumage and fanned the men with her wings. His arms became feathered. The men tried out flying, the son flew up on a branch, but the husband fell back to the ground. The woman announced she would help him and flew him up to the heaven's gate. The son had no problem, but the father arrived totally exhausted from his flight. They removed their plumage and took on their human forms again. In heaven, it was the same as on earth. The king vultures also took off their plumage and went around the shape of humans. The family continued on their journey and came to the house of sun, moon, and the wind, all of which welcomed the family and asked where they were going. To my father, the woman answered, and they continued onward. Finally, they came to the house of the old king of the king vultures. They were formally welcomed, but the king was incensed that the man was there and planned to kill him. He gave him a series of tasks, to build a dugout canoe, to dam up a river and to cut down a forest. None of these could the man do himself. He was helped by the woodpeckers and the dragonflies. Exasperated that the man had survived all his tasks, the old king of the king vultures invited the man to set the forest on fire with him. Of course, it was a trick to burn the man, but this time the spider came to his aid. He let himself be changed into a spider and survived again. When the old one found the man sitting there completely unharmed, he angrily smashed his board with with tapioca flour to the ground in frustration and infuriated, returned home. The man's wife now said that they should leave the house of her father, otherwise the old one would now surely kill him. They went back to the house of the vulture king and packed up their belongings and made manioc flour. Then they set off on their return back down down to earth. The old one commanded his warriors, the urubus black vultures, to go and find the man. But the wife had prepared for, for, this, for this turn and had packed a long knife just in case. When the urubus came upon them, she bravely flayed her knife and sliced off the head of one, the wings of another, and chased the rest away. The family fled and came again to Heaven's Gate and prepared their descent. The son took right off and flew down without hesitation. His father panicked that he would fall and crash to the ground as soon as he would try to fly. But the woman comforted him and told him she would help. She flew beneath him and supported him so that he did not fall. Totally exhausted and out of breath, the man landed on the ground. He had to sit down and lean on her. When they arrived, he was so tired. And that is the story
3: the daughter of the king of vultures.
2: I like that this, oh, you're on mute. Um.
1: You were (laughs) saying
2: I like that in this story as a contrast from last week where embracing your anima, actually it stays with you (laughs) this time. And and it brings you success or power or growth. Uh, I I, I like seeing the different aspects of anima.
1: Oh, well, it's multi-talented, right? It has many different assets. It does many different things. So the fairy tales, like you said, help us to see different sides of the animal, How to imagine this this archetypal creature. The king vultures is an archetype, von Franz says, of the whole species. Or as Levi Burrell formulates, it is a symbol of the genius of the species the epitome of life, substance of all individual beings. As a totem being, he's partly a magician, partly an animal, since he often appears on the earthly world as an animal. In the Ashingra, the timeless eternal land of the ancestors, he is a magical doctor, a shaman. In the following we will repeatedly refer to the difference between these two realms. It's obvious, important to the storyteller that the foreign invader drink different beverages than the vultures. Because the hero, Matichuru, is a shaman and clearly is aware of these laws. He does not lose his differentiation consciousness mind and does not identify himself with the divine figure of the unconscious which would have fatal consequences for him. Setting himself equal to the unconscious would put him in danger of being poisoned. So law number
3: one. You are not equal to the unconscious.
1: Always know your place. So said the archetypal warriors in the temple. Know your place. The unconscious is vast, so to compete with it is a narcissistic task. And therefore, it crushes us. There's no need to compete with it. There is too much information in there. You will not be able to understand it all. Hence, the unconscious, the unknown. She says here, to the unconscious would put him in danger of being poisoned. The initial friendly father godhead suddenly reveals his man-eating side to his son law assigns him impossible task to prove his ability. The hero accomplishes his job with the support of helpful animals, that is, with the help of his instincts. So in Jungian psychology, when we talk about uh, instincts, we're talking about the animal part of us. The instinctual sides of us. So um, the image of the Godhead on the bench is identical to the task given to the hero by the Cayman God, katchui This is a different story, Makunoroa and Anayudabu. By successful completing his task, the hero can escape from being destroyed by the dark spirit, but he cannot transform his darkness, which be psychologically equivalent to bringing this to conscious awareness.
3: So in this story,
1: the anima is showing them the way she is their guide. She brings them into the world And through her, this is how they fight. They fight through her eyes, through how she sees the world. She gives the perspective to the unconscious, she is the connection to the collective. So she has to be trusted by the hero. If the hero starts to doubt her, he will be poisoned. It will be consumed in the unconscious. Do you have thoughts, Dr. Eric?
4: Lisa, do you have thoughts on our story? Yeah, I, I find it interesting that <clears throat> the interplay between uh, the husband and you know, and, uh, and the anima represented as the vulture wife and each time she presents himself to her with a new challenge, he, he gets overtired. Um, he can't do it. He can't fly. He, he's not being able to fly. And each time she presents a huge anima presentation to him, she he kind of, flutters and is unable to completely accept it but then she helps him and she supports him and he was having trouble flying both times and she supported him so she gave him the power he didn't know how to use it and then she helped him survive it so yes he had to be open to receiving and and assimilating his anima, but he also needed support from the anima to see it through. So but I only if you would...
1: trust, it does not happen if you do not trust. Yes. You cannot get support from something. Go ahead, Lisa.
2: Or believe, just having the belief.
1: Yes, there needs to be that aspect. It's like treatment, right? When you go into treatment, you have to believe that you could heal. If you don't have that belief, healing is not going to occur. Because it's a creation in the mind. The mind says there would be nothing that could heal me. Okay, you win, buddy. You win. Of course, nothing can heal you because you've decided nothing can heal you. So the person has to be accepting in the belief that they could heal, that they could get better. Even if they doubt the treatment itself, they have to believe they could get better. So they could doubt the treatment all they want because they believe
4: they get better. The treatment actually pushes them along to get better. So even though he was struggling with his belief, he he didn't completely close down his belief or he would not have been able to be helped. Well, so... He was ambivalent, and and, and the support helped him through his ambivalence.
1: Yes, but the support does not come unconditionally. The support is only there because you could see it. If you don't acknowledge the anima, you can't see it. It's not going to support.
2: I think in the story, both in going to the heavens and coming back, if he did not try... She could not support him and they both would have failed. Yes, yes. Yes, did you get that sense? So I think in the same case, if you don't practice or just complete the treatments, for example, then if if you do not do the practice, then there's no chance for your potential completion. But the practice gives you the belief, the redemption. The beliefs gives you this exercise, but you must believe you can do it on your own. The son believed. He took off yes no problem so it was just an example of you must he and he had the same gift that he was given the same gift um as the both of them were given the same gift so he also had the possibility to fly he just didn't believe but he he did try and 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 so in so doing uh it's an the effort
4: yeah so, and and i think I, I think I know better how to say what I was trying to say earlier now, and that is, it's important for people to understand that just because you're struggling with a belief, that doesn't mean that you are in disbelief. Right. Just because he struggled with his belief, which it wasn't as much as his son's, he wasn't able to take off the way his son was, but he still had enough belief to see it through. So that initial struggle with belief doesn't have to be a creative force that turns us, that turns what we have into disbelief. That's what I was trying to say.
1: Well, the struggle with belief, but uh, I don't want to get off on a tangent. But the first stepping stone is always belief. Now there's always struggle with belief. This is kind of, this is kind of the way the energy moves. So you believe in something and you hold it very dear, but then there are forks in the road. They question your belief. They say, are you willing to do this because here is a cost? You didn't see this coming. I'm going to give it to you. And you struggle with that because you don't want to pay cost. Now, as long as you're able to overcome that struggle that they're talking about, you can move forward in life. What the Anima says to you is, is she says that you are connected as far as you can see. Once you are not able to see, then you're not connected anymore. Right? The Oracle in the Matrix says, what if I told you you're not eating that cookie? It doesn't exist. So this is the cookie that doesn't exist. It's in your hand. You could smell it. You could taste it. But it doesn't exist. But you believe it does. And so you eat the cookie. And you're happy. You have a smile on your face. You just ate a delicious cookie. It doesn't matter. That's belief. So every time there's a fork in the road, True belief is when it doesn't matter what the fork in the road says to you because you always believe that you're going to get past it. So one of the things that I came across, which was I found interesting, was the archetype of karma. So we we say it was it was karma that this didn't happen. So karma is the archetype of things that don't happen. The things that we thought could have happened but don't happen. So karma is the archetype of things that don't happen. Destiny is the archetype of things that happen. So two different so if you say I almost got killed, you didn't get killed. Almost doesn't really count. That's called karma. If you are bleeding on a stretcher and saying, oh, shit, that's going to kill me, and you stop breathing, that's destiny. Just I thought it would be nice to talk about that. That's funny. That's
2: funny that you say that. When you say it's destiny, it's usually oh, I had this tiny seed of belief I would but karma it, it is the the other side of that, that yes of that way. that's funny yes <laughs> that karma then, yeah. but yeah that's it's gonna come it's gonna come back to you later oh that's
4: funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, and, it, and it and it's enlightening in this respect that it helps you to see that karma is much more than what most people previously think of it as being uh-huh. it's the things that don't happen yeah, yeah.
2: And also destiny are those things that we plant our seeds and are slowly, you know, we, we are moving, even if not directly intentionally, but with that movement towards that destiny. Whereas karma is, we 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 call it as ser- almost serendipitous. It, it, it's it's what, what
1: doesn't happen. Doesn't. Mm-hmm. Karma, oh, I didn't get hit by that car. Karma today, I almost died. No, you didn't. It's <laughs> destiny. I you almost, almost die. died. Yeah, if you were like, uh, you were taking your last breath, that would be destiny. It was like, ah, I knew it was going to happen sooner or later. That's destiny. <laughs> <It's not. laughs> okay.
3: Um, as they descend,
1: Um, the totem, so there's two things that come from the totem. It's a a kind of bird, but kind of human. It's a kind of animal.
3: He says...
1: After a while, the girl opened the house and stepped outside. She was a very beautiful young woman with strings of pearls falling from her neck upon her breast and other strings of pearls around her arms and legs. She was wearing a pretty skirt of pearls too. The girl went to the river. The Matrula went into the house, took his fishing rod and hid himself behind the entrance. The girl came back to the house. She put the water down and lay in the hammock. The Machula came out from the hiding place with his fishing rod in his hand. Uh, he saw her and thought, Now I have a woman. She was beautiful with pearls on her arms and legs. Ashamed, she wrapped herself in the hammock. Chula said to her, Don't be ashamed, and laid down next to her. Then he said to her, Did I, didn't I tell you that you should change yourself into a woman and live with me? I have no mother. I have no one. I am completely alone. And now do not go away, stay here as my wife. We have a plantation. I have not planted it yet, but we can take it over. All my relatives have left out of my fear of war with Kagulu. I am totally alone, my relatives will never return. When we need food, I will go fishing and hunting. I will bring you deer, taper and fish. I am here with you, you will never be hungry. Stay with me. Here in the house, make a mamak cake for us to eat. I will go hunting. Don't go away. Thus, they lived together for a long time in the house. Then one day she said to him, now I'd like to see my family. Be patient, Machula. Did not want to let her go. He said to her that if she left him, he would take some rope and hang himself. Then she said, I'm not going away. I'm only going quickly to visit my family. Stay here and wait for me. Do not go away. I cannot take you with me without my father seeing you. So.
4: What page are you on Lahab?
1: 400.
2: Lahab, should we just read that whole story since it does relate to the vulture story?
1: Yes. We should read that. That's the next part. There's, this is two parts of the story, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes. I was reading from the second part of the story.
2: But they the, are related to each other.
1: Yes. So the story goes on. So, on 400
3: right now. Yeah.
1: I like how the beginning where they, the king of vultures were accustomed to fly down to the lake to bathe. They took off their feathers dress and went swimming in the form of young girls. A young man once stole the feather dress, one of the mains, and demanded that she stay with him. Since they liked each other, she agreed and he stowed her vulture dress away in a chest. So she had to give up her end to be with him. And that's when it goes bad. In the the part that I was reading, um, she, she wants to visit her family. She wants to go back and visit. And he's afraid she's never gonna come back. And it's the fear of loss that
3: pushes us towards the loss.
1: Because the focus is loss. The focus that we have, the thing that we see most is loss. I'm going to lose this. And therefore, that becomes a belief. And once it's a belief, then you end up being stuck.
3: Because now you're
1: stuck in your belief, you're stuck in your creation you're stuck in your magi- magical jail and the door is locked. Now, even if, if it wasn't true, you just created the truth. That fear is what destroys the
3: relationship.
1: Because it's a magical relationship And therefore, there are rules to a magical relationship, as we've said before. All magical relationships have rules. Things that cannot be said. Things that can be said. Things that happen along the way. All magical relationships
3: end. Because they're there for a
1: reason. They're there to show us different paths, different perspectives, different ways of looking at the world. But they're not there forever. Because certain things must die for other things to grow. That is the essence of transformation. The essence of transformation is to transform what you thought you believed into something that doesn't resemble
3: what you thought you believed.
1: So in the fairy tales, it's the same. The anima is transforming this person into making them more conscious of the world in many different ways. By using her, by using herself, by using what she does in the world. And that's how she educates. So she is the ma- she is to the male, she is enlightenment, she's inspiration, she is love, she is worshiped, she is mother, she is partner, she's lover. That's usually when the relationship is good. When the relationship is negative, then she becomes uh, the abuser, the manipulator, the bad parent, the bad mother,
3: the poisonous partner, because then the relationship has been poisoned. And you can always tell
1: when somebody is enraged with their anima. Because they're enraged with every female in the world. Because it's an internal feminine. It's an internal understanding of what the feminine is. So that's when it gets lost. That's how you could tell, because they're so enraged. It makes no sense. But it does. is because they're at war with themselves. That's how the anima organizes us in the world. That's how she connects us to the world. We're deeply. She is the deep, deepest part of us and connects us to the collective. It's not a small thing. It's not a small task. It's a massive undertaking. This is where you get your inspiration. This is when you have a dream. You wake up in the morning and you say, I solved it. I figured it out. That's the anima. She came in the dream and gave you the answer. Because you called her out.
3: Because you dare to believe. So she comes and gives you the answer. Lisa, do you have any thoughts?
2: Yeah, I I like that. I never thought of that, but she is the, the original one of the, she's a creator, a shelter
1: yes um,
2: and it creates a uh, union collective its connections inspiration but uh, in its in its darkest it can create isolation and alienation and
1: um yes and,
2: and uh, uh discontent to to and and it can be acted out in acts of like you said uh, manipulation or just vindictiveness or Yes, yeah, never I
1: see these cycles. Yeah, these are the <laughs> negative poles. Mm-hmm. This is what we talk about shadow. Mm-hmm. And we say shadow happens, and this is how shadow happens. This mm-hmm. is how shadow happens because you're at war with self. Mm-hmm. Because there's different archetypal structures that you're at war with. Mm-hmm. So when you start pushing against oneself, you are pushing against the archetypal energies that balance you out. Mm-hmm. The anima is one of them. The so, war can also... Go on, <laughs>
2: go on. I see also war can also be... Um, can come out in denial. In, in the... In the almost voluntary absolution of and, and ignore, ignoring <laughs> and it's where's passive aggressiveness.
1: <laughs> so what happens is um, the internal war becomes projected outward. So m- now my war with the world is that um, the world is a hateful place because once you're at war with the anima, The world is not a pretty place. It loses, the universe loses its touch of touching your soul because you're at war with the universe. That's the connection to the universe. You're at war with your connection to the collective. The collective is part of the universe. So when you're at war with that piece of you, that's when you become disturbed in ways That's where depression hits. That's where suicidal ideas or becoming a mass shooter, that's where those ideas come from. Because you've lost that touch where you feel connected to the world. Like sociopaths are not connected to their enema.
2: What about people who, you know, like uh, now we have all these virtual spaces um where the animas are inspired there and uh, relationships are growing and communities are built but it's in such a separate and isolated um aspect or um it's, it's still not brought to present space and there's still a disconnect there um Can you talk a little bit more about the anima in that world versus why it's not being manifested in a more present state?
1: Well, there's fragmentation, right? What happens with the anima is that when I cannot embody my anima, when society rejects, so young men who uh, play football, when society rejects that part of you, You go to war with it. And what happens is it becomes a a very animalistic type of existence, right? The animalistic, because they're the instincts. So you basically go in the world as an animal. You're no longer connected to creation. And therefore you, you walk through the world as a husk, as an avatar. You don't walk through the world as somebody who's embodied. You're not embodied, even in the way you walk. Right? In the way you are in the world, you're not embodied. You don't, your body is kind of disconnected from you because you're disconnected from that which makes you a somatic and a psychic being at the same time. That both psyche and soma Live side by side. Well, that connection is through the animal. So, that, that connection, when it's severed, causes a lot of problems. It causes sociopathic behavior, it causes violence against women, it causes violence against self, it causes violence against society, it causes uh, violence against the other. Because then, where am I projecting all my rage? Oh, they're different than I am. But that's because that internal relationship with the anima has been you're at war with. It's not, it's not that um, you went to war not knowing what it gives. You went to war because you were scared of what it gave. The gifts that it gave, you saw as a weakness. Because you were told those were weak gifts. Those were not for you. So you crush them. So when you crush them, you're fighting yourself. And so you crush a part of yourself. So you become hyper-masculine. You become hyper-aggressive. You become uh, hyper-depressed. And that's kind of an oxymoron, hyper-depressed, but you are the depression is like a irritation but that's what happens so the need to connect to the anima this the anima is the part that gives us um that gives us the info we need to exist to grow without that voice we don't grow when we don't have belief what happens is you lose belief in self for For example, what are you losing? You're losing belief in the components of self. You basically identified yourself as an animal now. You're saying, basically, I live to eat, drink, fuck, and sleep. That's all I do. You basically have committed the act of turning yourself into something that doesn't have a spirit. Psyche, like Just a husk. And the animal husk will do what the animal husk does. But that... That takes... The juice out of the orange. You have an orange, but there's no juice in it. It looks like an orange. It looks like a complete orange. But when you look underneath... If you squeeze a little bit, nothing comes out because there's nothing there. So, all of these pieces make up who we are. The anima is one of the most important pieces. You know, that's why in, in movies uh, they attack her. They attack her by making her manipulative. They show all the aspects of shadow, but it's not her shadow. It's your shadow. She just reflects. She's the universe. She reflects to you what you show her. If you're, if you, if you're showing her anger and contempt, that's what she's reflecting to you. She She's showing it to you, anger and contempt. And this is why we use affirmations
3: in jump. Because what we're feeding
1: is we're feeding her. We're feeding her positive energy. So she comes out in a positive way. The more we say those things to her, the more she comes out for us. The more she comes out for us, the better we feel. Suddenly I am inspired to do stuff. I want to go out. I want to have a good time. I want to play. I want to talk to my friends. I want to exercise. I want to walk. I want to do this. I want to do that. Suddenly all this energy comes. Where does that come from? That's the anima. That's when she's in full flight mode. It's like, wow, I haven't seen this much energy in a long time in you. Yeah. Because you've been touched.
3: So this is what's happening in the story. And this is why they want
1: her skin. They want her always to feed them. The trick with the anima is is that it connects you. You can't fall into it. You fall into it, that's when you get poisoned. Because that's when you're gonna project the anima onto a person and say, oh, there's my anima. I'm gonna marry them and they're gonna make me happy. And that's when it goes wrong. A, they're not your anima. They're your partner. Once you put that label on, things are not gonna go well. Because the anima never lets you down anima is greater than herself she's she's the unconscious she has all kinds of power the normal human that you're living with they have bad days
3: they fart they're not godlike so then you have that problem
1: then you start to be angry where is this person that I married? Or where is this person that I used to know? Where is this person? And you're searching for this mystical person. That person never existed. That was your projection. That was an anima projection. The anima there is to connect you to the other, it does not stay. You cannot keep focused on it. It's only there to connect you. It's built a bridge for you. Now you use that bridge to make a connection with the other person. It's not going to stay glimmering in your face. You have to make a real connection. Right? The projection falls. Now you have a relationship. Oh, yeah, you smell a little bit. Yeah, you're really going to need to shower a little more. We really have to talk about the way you talk to me. We really have to fix these things that suddenly you're dealing with that person. They're human. When you're projecting the Anima, she's not human. She's God. She doesn't get tired.
3: She doesn't have a bad hair day.
1: She doesn't, she always smiles. She doesn't hurt. She's always beautiful. She's always full. She's always complete. So you're competing with somebody who you can't compete with. Because you're projecting something out there that's very hard. And sometimes that projection is so strong that people will do all kinds of plastic surgery on themselves to be that. They start to identify with the projection of the anima.
2: Instagram.
1: That's exactly right. That's what happens. Have you seen me looking to the left? Have you seen me looking to the right? I look up. Do you see me when I look up? When I look down, do I look different? Look at me now. That's the anima. Because you could see the anima. And the anima is like, Beautiful. It doesn't matter what it does. It's always beautiful. But the husk is not an animal. It's an internal projection. And that's what they're trying to attach to. But they're also identified with it. This is when it becomes toxic. This is when the, von Franz says it will poison you.
3: This is how it poisons you.
2: Can we read that part in the fairy tale that you were just going over?
3: Yes. Um. So...
2: This story is story I'm just going to preface it. This story mm-hmm. is similar to the other the, the story I read earlier and where there's a human man who marries a vulture anima goddess who takes on a, a human form when she takes her feathers off and she goes and takes her um her husband to her her heaven her, her king vulture father and they, um, and like the like the the other story, the king vulture father does not uh, does not like the human son-in-law, and there are many tests at hand. So here's maybe maybe you found the page.
1: Yeah. So. so oops. So. Um,
3: She says,
1: by successful completing his task, the hero can escape from being destroyed by the dark spirit, but he cannot transform its darkness, which would be psychologically equivalent to bringing this to his conscious awareness. Machula must then take flight, therefore, and leave behind the beautiful woman who accompanied him. She never really committed herself to her human husband, but always lived according to her father's purpose. In fairy tales that we will discuss later, the animal figure comes closer to building a relationship with the man, that he does not complete all his tasks and may be related to the fact that he proceeds only instinctively. The helpful animals did all the work. This shows clearly that the primitive stage of the fairy tale a really conscious understanding is not possible for the hero. The situation is also similar to the tragic ending of Mikinora. But Chula returns down to earth with the help of another bird, the nightingale, meaning again by his intuition. He brings back a special prize, however, a grain of corn, which made the col- cultivation of this exceedingly valuable plant possible. The acquisition of the plant suitable for cultivation through a passage into the other world is a fundamental subject of many tales of primitive peoples because cultural development is the most important task.
3: I wasn't quite the one I was looking for. But in this,
1: the introduction of the riches of the other world is introduced through the anima. But in this case, he has to learn how to let go of her. He has to learn to let her be. Because he is completely unable to function without her. This is where you fall into the possession of the anima. It doesn't want to possess you. But you have put yourself in that position. Like Narsus, you stared into the water and looked at yourself way too long. And you looked way too pretty, so you fell in and drowned. That's how you get stuck in the anima.
4: This yeah. is an incredible fairy tale.
0: It I'm, is. I'm,
4: I'm blown away by the depths <clears throat> Of, it, of its uh, portrayals of different aspects of the anima. It's just incredible.
1: Because the hero Machulo is clearly a shaman and is aware of these laws, he does not lose his differentiation. Conscious mind, and this is on top of page 4008, conscious mind does not identify himself with divine figures of the unconscious, which would have fatal consequences for him. Setting himself equal to the unconscious would put him in danger of being poisoned. The initial friendly father godhead suddenly reveals his man eating side to his son-in-law, assigns him impossible tasks to prove his abilities. The hero accomplishes his job with the support of the helpful animals, that is with the help of his instincts. The image of the godhead on the bench is identical to the task given to the hero by the caiman god, Kachua. Anyway, so in this case, in this case, he finally recognizes that what he's dealing with is a magical force, and that suddenly that magical force has this protector, the godhead, right? This is an archetypal story. So the godhead attacks. It's a man-eating side. This is how it protects its girls. It eats the men. So he finally sees that. He finally understands. He's at, the, he's at the pity of these animals. Because these animals are the only things that are keeping him alive. He's not smart enough. Now, so what the anima does is that it reveals that there's a darker side, that that deeper inside the collective unconscious, there are creatures you don't want to mess with. His naivete keeps pulling him deeper into the unconscious. And therefore, that's why it's dangerous and it could poison him. It's a really it's a it's a beautiful story.
2: Shall we end our session by reading the story? Maybe each of us can pick a section.
1: Related. Um sure. Really long. Sure, Lisa. Why don't we why don't we do this? Why don't why don't we read um yeah, what uh why don't we read like the first page? hmm Let's read that as our ending. Why don't we read that? You want to
3: read it, Lisa? Sure. It's page 398.
2: Um, the fairy tale called The Visit to Heaven. Long ago, there was a war between the Kuyalakog and the Paliwiyong. The war took place in the region of the Urekayama Mountains. The Paliwiyong attacked the Kuyalakog when they were out planting in the fields and killed many people. Their surviving Kuyalakog got together and set out to exterminate the Paliwiyong. When they came upon a settlement with five huts, and set them on fire at night so the enemy could not flee in the darkness and would burn bright. They killed many Paliwiung with their clubs as they tried to flee their burning huts. One man, Machule, how did you say it, The uh-huh. Machule. Machule lay scathed, unscathed, between many dead. He had painted his face in blood to deceive the enemy. The attacking Kuyilakog went away. They believed that all Paluyangs were dead. Only Machutle survived. He got up, bathed and went to another enclave not far away. He thought he would find somebody there but they all had fled too. He found only Minoic bread and old roasted meat. He thought of his father and mother whom the Kuyulikag had killed and, now, and that now he had no one. Then he said to himself, I will go and lay down next to my companions, who are now all dead. He returned to his burned village, full of fear. There he found many vultures. Machule was a witch doctor and had once dreamt of a beautiful maiden. He shooed away all the vultures and laid down between his dead companions to rest. Again, he smeared himself with their blood. One hand he put on a head in case the vultures returned, so that he could immediately defend himself. The vultures came again and began to fight amongst themselves over the corpses. The daughter of the vulture king came too and landed right on Machule's breast. As she was about to tear his flesh, he said to her, Change yourself into a human woman. I am so alone here and have no one to help me. She stopped just before she was about to peck into him. He went with her to an abandoned enclave he had visited earlier and he said to her, I am now going fishing. When I come back, I want to find you transformed into a woman. The people that have fled had left plants and bananas and things to eat. But truly,
3: there. Is- stop. 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 Stop.
1: Okay. Um, okay. Well, we'll end our story here for this week, and we will pick up the story where Lisa stopped next week. And we will go through the first part. This is the first part of the story. These two stories are interrelated. So we talked about the king vulture. And now this is the beginning of the story. This is a different story of our hero. So next week, I think Lisa is going to start us off by rereading that passage and the rest of the story. And we will go into our final story with Marie-Louise von Franz's Archetypal Symbols and Fairy Tales, The Profane and the Magical Worlds. That will be our last story from this book. And we are gonna go into our next book, uh, The Hero's Journey, um, which is volume two. And we will see another aspect of the archetype, overcoming um, challenges, which I think we could all use. A little bit of. Yeah. Um, with that, I'm Dr. Lahab El Samurai, and this is the Institute for Conflicts Individuation podcast. Um, as we like to always close with, we are not afraid. Lisa?
2: We are not afraid.
4: We are not afraid
1: we are the institute for conflict and we are not afraid and we look forward to having all of you next week
0: thank you for tuning into this episode of the ifc's individuation podcast we hope you enjoyed hearing from dr eric tomlinson dr lisa hong and dr al samurai we'd also like to thank eric and lisa for taking the time to join us you can also find us on youtube at the institute for conflict tune in again next time to the ifc's individuation podcast for another episode soon